presented by Kaplowitz Media. This is Kaplowitz Today for Tuesday, May 19, 2020, at Kaplowitz Media on Twitter. Emails Kaplowitz Media at mail.com. That's K A P L O W I T Z. Also, subscribe. Also, subscribe to Kaplowitz Radio wherever you are listening. Kaplowitz Today is a program, and Kaplowitz Today is also roughly 10 minutes daily, Monday through Friday, a bite sized podcast. This one, spoiler alert, may run a tick long. Drop a donation in my tip jar, gentle persons. Each buck or two is greatly appreciated. You could do so at PayPal at uh, paypal.me slash K-A-P-L-O-W-I-T-Z or via cash app, dollar sign, Kaplowitz Media. Before we get to the main event that might take us into overtime here on Kaplowitz Today... Uh, I want to hit on a little news, and this is cigar industry news. The CRA, Cigar Rights of America, sent out an email blast bright and early this very morning. Uh, Let me see if I can pull it up here. It is uh, what is pertinent to what I'm about to discuss here is uh, la la la. You'd think I'd be prepared, wouldn't you? And you'd think wrong. On March 15th, reads the, I don't say it's a press release, the blast, the email. On March 15, 2019, CRA announced that these small U.S. cigar producers will form a new coalition that will work together to protect these unique American jobs and tell their story. They're talking about the American cigar factories. Uh, each week, CRA will profile one of these small factories leading into the 2020 presidential election. Yada, yada, yada. At the end, they, um, start, they started uh, social media accounts for this project, for this coalition. Uh, the first one mentioned is a Twitter, and then they have a Facebook, and then they have an Instagram replete and complete with links. So they caught me with this email with my pants up. They weren't down, they were up. I was ready to run, so I'm a Twitter guy. I head over to Twitter seconds after receiving the email. I sign up, I, I follow the account. I'm the first one, gentle persons. To follow the account, I kid you not, hold your applause, wait for applause, please, please. And uh, I give an email, uh, email, I give a Twitter shout out of my own saying everybody should follow this. And uh, I go about my, my merry. And I circle back to see what's going on over there, looking for more information. And I follow the link. And the page is taken down. The feed is gone. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then I'm like, oh, why don't I check Facebook? And then I check the the Facebook link, and wouldn't you know, it's down. And I go, wait a second. Insta 
So I click the link, and it's just to the Cigar Rights of America, not to the American Cigar Rollers Coalition. So, uh, an auspicious start. And um, not brilliant, but if, you, if you're new to cigars and you think this isn't typical of the cigar industry's efforts, it is, and you are sadly mistaken, welcome aboard. Uh, since then, I should say, I've been wandering around Capitalist Media Headquarters mumbling various versions of what the fuck. Uh, possibly allowed, and as of this recording, the Cigar Rights of America has not responded to my questions. Okay, so main event time. I hyped this on yesterday's today by happenstance and via evaluations. I happened upon perhaps the king, gentle persons, <clears throat> of all pairings. So much so that I held off the cigar review post until today when uh, the coffee review posted. So each posted today, and I'll read them both, and then go on after reading that to beat a dead horse by way of fine point at readings end. So without any further ado, a don't or a maybe, let me go ahead and load up the uh, cigar version first. And the cigar half of this immaculate pairing is the Cavalier Geneve Cigars Black 2. In Redux Review, there are no hyperactive sumos. Have you capitalized? Today I go on to ask rhetorically in the daily subtitle of each and every post. Again, it's the Cavalier Geneve Black 2, wrapper Mexican San Andres, binder Nicaraguan. Filler Nicaraguan. <laughs> Format is a Robusto box press. Origin is Honduras. Intensity I found to be full. Notes, mesquite wood, spices, espresso. Earthy as fucking complex therein. That sits up high but under primaries and is aptly peppered with black and red peppercorn. Then tropical fruit, Heidi and vegeta, vegetal, 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 vegetal. I'll just edit out those other things. It'll be clean. Umami triggers and sweetness via dark chocolate. Backup top is lush mesquite wood with an attached mesquite seasoning, bigly of paprika. A well-poured espresso shot whets the palate via wetting. Spices are smorgasbord, melange, depth of baking and barbecue. Stuffs and rub, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, cayenne, brown sugar too. This all sinks down to the middlings along with the aforementioned umami triggers. A roasted mushroom alfalfa, grass thing, and meatiness proper. Worcestershire show us. A real punch-in-the-mouth profile, but kindly so as a Canadian heavyweight. Suri, a eh? Knockout. Underbelly is more dad-earth, yo. 
as well as uh, all its additions entail, barnyard rich and robust and deep, deep, deep. A strange case here of lacking structure somewhat, but maintaining delineation via softness, plush borders, complex busyness, calmed by big bod. There are no hyperactive sumos. Burns and turns, combusts and performs admirably, but with a slight ding, a softening of press on down. I prefer to spend my time here dissecting the flavors and feels. So I will, so I did. Final grade, A minus. Now the second half of this incredible pairing that I stumbled upon, kismet style, is of course a coffee over at Capitalist Media Coffee today's post. There, and that one is the Black Acres Coffee Midnight Train in review and some barbecue digesting. Barbecue. Have you capitalized today? Again, it's the Black Acres Midnight Train, origin Mexican, Brazilian, Kenyan, process, washed and natural, brew method, French press, intensity, medium full. Notes, oak, pumpernickel toast, brown sugar. Oak is simple, charred some, and provides a rigid structure while rigid structure. Rigid structure. Remember what I said about the cigar? While retaining nice moisture. This allows for dark complexities and nuances alongside crisp delineations. Pumpernickel is heavy on molasses, toasted under a pad of butter. Brown sugar is caramelized well, high up undertones of stiff leather, Heidi, and with its underside dripping slight oils into the profile's earthen nethers. Additions to the middlings are a somewhat sporadic ebbing flowing of baking spices and scant cocoa. A good bit of black peppercorn finishes with an interesting dried apple butter lilt on a bittersweet delivery. Moderately legged there. So... Complex, nuanced, well-balanced. A lone gripe is that each note is delivered quite similarly in a toasted manner. Makes it flirt with flat at times. Balance extends to a nifty body-slash-flavor ratio, particularly when a creme brulee comes on as the cup cools. Aroma is predominantly earthy, dark, but not densely so breathable. Airy. See? Are we seeing this? But not vacant. The tick licorice. A smoky, woodsy, toasted cuppa that would pair well around the campfire with friends and some barbecue digesting. Barbecue, the seasonings thereof. It's not too on the nose because they're both different mixes of those same ingredients. And you know what? Fuck it. Talked about this enough. Figure it out for yourself, maybe. I've talked about it before other places. <clears throat> I think I wrote about it once or twice. Wanted to talk about something real quick. Uh, I went to uh, I, I went grocery shopping today, gentle persons. My dad's dad went grocery shopping too. Not now because he's dead. I feel like we have to take it back a bit. You see, when Granddad Cap lived in Belarus. He was abandoned by his parents and had to dig up wild potatoes to feed his two younger brothers, my uh, 
grunkle Frank and my grunkle Leon. When he couldn't do that, he had to go into town to beg. Then he came to America. He was poor. He lived in rented rooms within tenement housing. He would go to a grocer and order from the counter, and a clerk would gather up his stuff for him, bring it to the counter, he'd pay, and he'd go. Now my turn. I come in to the world of grocery shopping, of procuring foods for my Frigidaire, uh, at a time when you begin to have to check yourself out at express lanes. Uh, you see, well, there were express lanes and those were good, but then they became like self-check things. And of course, like the express lanes, for convenience. Soon, though, you're begging your own shit, too. And they're not even paying you. They don't even make you sit through a fucking Welcome to Working Here video. I don't even know if that's okay with OSHA. And then, you're paying for your bags. And the prices go up, up, up. The only thing going down, severely, is essentially livability. Okay, but today, now, with coronavirus, I hop online, order what I want, then a bit later, get this, I get a text on my smartphone saying it's ready to be picked up. And I think to myself, this must be how Oprah shops all the fucking time we are living in wonderful times a beautiful age all hell coronavirus which leads to covid19 plus i'm even a little laggy on my rent but i'm too big to fail at least till the oregon state of emergency is lifted I'm like one of those fancy corporations, you get it? Great times. Truly great times. This is the American dream my father and his father before him was promised. But not really. Because none of us were named Scott or Todd. Anyone know how to tie a noose? By any chance? Kidding. On every fucking account. And we're at 15 minutes plus. Thanks for tuning in. We'll do it again tomorrow, right? What day is today? Tuesday. Sure. Wednesday? That's a go day. Later.